This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being. With MedLab Middle East. On Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you and we have our Eye on Health in association with MedLab Middle East. The hot topic of today's show is infectious diseases. You might think about those far-flung tropical issues, your dengue fevers, your malarias, but your COVID-19s and even the more common infections right here in the UAE are being treated at the Sheikh Shabut Medical City. And in conversation now with Dr. Robert Serafino, a consultant, all about what we need to know before, during and after we pack our bags. Joining us to explore infectious diseases, travel, precautions and more, especially with many of us thinking about travel, fingers crossed, in 2022, is Dr. Robert Serafini. He's a consultant of infectious diseases at the Sheikh Shabut Medical City. And we're really also having a special look at weakened immune systems. Dr. Robert, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thank you for being with us today. As I said, many people already looking at booking travel, maybe with the family at half term or Easter, looking into summer travel as well. And I think many of us perhaps change our attitude towards travel, understandably, based on what's happening globally, COVID-19 being the obvious, uh, the obvious limitation for many right now. But when it comes to other infectious diseases and, and, and travel, what are some of the issues we're talking about? Can you list some of the, the top ones? Yeah, so the, I mean, basically, when you think about travel, you think about people who go for holidays, but also you think people who go and visit their families. So this would be people who are normally working in the UAE and they want to go back and visit because of vacations, they want to go and visit their families. So it depends on where you go to, you are likely to encounter an infection. So if you perhaps, um, for, for example, I'll tell you the common cases of people who come back from travel, the significant number, the common infections would be malaria. That's because people go to exotic places, tropical places, and these are by far the commonest causes of infection in return travelers. Then we have people coming back with uh, things like uh, enteric fever or typhoid fever. Yeah, that's related to eating food, perhaps that are not, you know, prepared hygienically. And then you think about been bitten by ticks, for example, you are trekking in, in, in forest, then you think, oh, these are, these are tick-related infections, what we call rickettsial infections. Yeah, so this, this by far tend to be, and then of course, then you have things, again, related to being bitten by mosquitoes, you have dengue fever. These tend to be the common causes of people that we see coming back from, you know, visiting places. Then, of course, people may have the common diarrheal illnesses, what we call um, you know, you've be, perhaps eaten something that is not, again, well, you know, well prepared hygienically, then you have upset tummy, you know, we call diarrheal, diarrheal illnesses, so, you know, associated with trouble. So these tend to be the common causes of people coming back with um, not feeling well after holidays. Can we start with malaria? Because I was in Africa last year and it was very much the, should I take tablets, should I not? And as it happened, I was going to be trekking at altitude and, and we decided that, you know, only a very few very brave mosquitoes would, would meet me at the top of Kilimanjaro. Um, so it was, I decided against it. And also there seems to be a lot of um, maybe myth and miseducation around malaria medication. Are you able to explain a little bit about what malaria is, how it manifests symptoms and also preventions as well? Yeah. So malaria is a 
parasitic infections. So you you basically in infection you have bacteria, we have parasites, we have viruses, and you have fungi. Um, but malaria is a form of parasitic infections. How do we acquire malaria? By far the commonest, that's a significant way of how you get malaria is by being bitten by a mosquito that has got the parasite in it. Yeah. So so you have a lot of different mosquitoes. Some of them do, do not carry malaria, but the one, the Anopheles mosquito, is typically the one that would give you malaria. So, so you get bitten by malaria, by mosquito that uh, that carries malaria, and within a certain period of time, commonly within a month, but could be shorter, you then come down with um, a fever. You feel very unwell, shivering, yeah, and and this is by far the commonest. Some people can have headaches, but generally it's a fever. It's a very non-specific fever initially, and sweating and shivering. Yeah, the common way of getting it. Now, um, typically you would go to areas as you, you kind of touch a bit of, it tend to be areas of, of, of low altitudes. High altitude areas tend not to have malaria. So if you're going to very high altitude destination, even in the tropics, sometimes you don't have malaria in these areas. Yeah. So now if you if you go into an area that is endemic with malaria, we would normally recommend that you take malaria prophylaxis, that in form of tablets, but also you sk- use the skin repellents, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, to stop mosquitoes not biting you because mosquitoes does not like certain odor coming from these repellents that you apply on your skin, mainly at night time when the malaria carrying mosquitoes would be would be around. So this is, this is um, and obviously we say wear long, you know, clothing to you know, even get bitten by mosquitoes and uh, you don't get bitten on the skin. So this is generally how we, we recommend you from being um, infected by malaria. I, w- I wondered if you had any insights or theories about why mosquitoes love biting some of us and just don't care about others. I've got two daughters. One gets bitten constantly. The other one is untouched. Do, is there any medical data around this or have you got any ideas? It's tend to be with how we produce. All of us, we've got different hormones that we produce in our body. So all of us, without even um, malaria, as, as I said, mosquitoes does not like smell coming out from certain people. So it may not be a smell that is very visible easily for, for, for us to smell, but mosquitoes may not just like the type of odors that some people produce. So you can see if two members of the family, mosquitoes are, are attracted to one person, but not the other. They tend to be because the certain things or things that the person is producing that the mosquito does not like. Pretty much. My granny always used to say it was because she had sweet blood and was delicious and this is why they loved her. <laughs> That's what we say, but she may not be wrong because actually you produce something on the skin that's <laughs> either very attractive or not attractive to the mosquito. Now, apart from COVID, um, which is obviously affecting the whole world, are there any emerging diseases that we as a general public need to be aware of? Is there anything happening in the medical community that you're hearing right now? So when you go to places, obviously, we worry about malaria, but also we worry about you, perhaps if you end up going to healthcare settings and you come in contact, you may easily carry resistant bacteria. So other than malaria, we always say if you end up seeking healthcare in, in, um, in, for whatever reason, if you come in contact with, with, with healthcare or indeed you drink water locally, then you can carry very resistant organisms. And so when even 
someone coming from abroad comes to hospital, we worry about them carrying very resistant bacteria mm-hmm. that makes it very difficult for us to to treat later on. So we do see patients coming back from abroad with very resistant bacteria, so much so that we would have to go out to start to come up with a strong combination of antibiotics to deal with with them. So this is a challenge. So other than malaria and all the diseases I mentioned earlier, we have the threat of multi-resistant bacteria that can easily come in contact with recent healthcare, but perhaps consuming um, you know, food that may be a bit colonized by, by by bacteria that are resistant and then they become part of your normal flora, you know. So so this is one and this is something we have to think about as infection specialists and people coming from abroad. So depends on where you visit in the world, there are some hotspots of different infections, yeah? So so you may go to an area that is endemic of dengue fever, for example, yeah? Then you come back, you know, with research. So every area has got its own local epidemiology. And, and as infection specialists, we tend to be interested to know where you have been, what you have been doing, because then it tells us what are the likely infections you would have come across. You can start putting those clues together and, yeah. and getting a picture. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And we know the pandemic over the last two years has been unprecedented, has been the word used so many times, and a tragic tragic um, situation for so, so many people, both from a healthcare, but also an economical point of view. But you, with your consultant hat on, has it been quite interesting to watch as an infectious disease? Absolutely. It's always a bit, you know, what, what drives us as infectious disease doctors is that every day is different, right? So we don't deal with the same disease all the time. And 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 so for us to see with all this change in landscape is very interesting, basically. And what are you expecting from the future in terms of variations and changes, whether that's to vaccine and treatment? Is there anything you, you would predict? Oh, it's difficult. It's really difficult to know what's going to happen about this. It's just what the space. Yes, that's, that's, that's what keeps it so interesting. Now, I've, well, let's go back to travel because I think for many people, we're, we're almost a bit unsure of what to do if we come back from a trip and feel unwell. Malaria, you mentioned earlier in terms of symptoms, but there can be symptoms that perhaps we would be completely unaware of and might not even associate with a previous trip or um, or bite or food. So can you explain a little bit about what you do at, uh, at Sheikh Shabut Medical City? What are some of the treatments and techniques when it comes to diagnosis um, and dealing with some of the infectious diseases, both from here in the UAE, but also globally coming, coming here? Yeah, so, so typically people, obviously, who come from abroad and come with fever, as I already alluded earlier, we think about malaria is by far the commonest thing. So we look for, we take blood from, from the patient to look for, we do malaria film and then we do some also um, antigen testing to see if we have malaria proteins around. Because sometimes if you have little amount of uh, malaria parasite, you may not be able to see them easily, the parasites. So, but the, if they're proteins around, you can be able to pick them up mm-hmm. just by by um, by looking for the proteins. So malaria, I said, is a common. Then also take blood from the patients and we culture so because then the things that are bacteria can easily be grown in the lab so you you, you do blood cultures and then if there's any bacteria around even if in a small amount you're not able to see under the microscope you can be able to detect because the growth allow the bacteria to you know to grow in big numbers and then you'll be able to detect so we do that 
And if we're worried about some viruses uh, or rickettsial infections that are difficult to grow, then we do some serological testing where we look for the antibodies. Because if you come in contact with certain infections, then your body will produce antibodies. So instead of looking directly mm-hmm. at the bacteria or you look at the virus, then you look at the antibodies, which is the what our body produces in response to that infection, and you can detect that the body has produced antibodies, and then you'll be able in that way you'll be able to know that I'm dealing with this infection. And you can be able to tell if it's very acute, lots of antibodies around, or if it's very chronic and perhaps it's gone less fun, you know. So you, these are all the some techniques that we use to be able to tell us what sort of infections we're dealing with. What have been some of the perhaps more unusual cases that you've discovered and treated in your time as a doctor? I've been a doctor for over 20 years and, I, and, and, and again in infectious diseases it's always interesting because every day you get to deal with something that's a bit strange. So, um, for example, I mean, I have managed brucella, which is, um, which is a bacteria and uh, which is quite actually uh, you see it a lot in this part of the world because it brucella is a bacteria that's in in um in animals like camel and and and, and sheep and cows and and normally doesn't make these animals very unwell and but they produce this bacteria in the milk and if you drink then the milk without you know uh, boiling, which is sometimes what people like, they like the fresh. Yes, yeah, they like the fresh, and then you get infected. So, for example, I, I had to deal with a child who is really little, who was fed this milk without being pasteurized, and the child came back with a fever. And I thought it's just a simple throat infection, but it turned out to be Brussels, for example, which is something that is a bit interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you about weakened immune systems because presumably two people travelling the same part of the world might have a completely different experience when it comes to infectious diseases because of their makeup, their their overall health. What do people who perhaps might be immunosuppressed or have a weakened immune system need to be mindful of when it comes to infectious diseases, both here in the region but especially when it comes to travel? So normally people, before they go to travel, we recommend that they get jabs, you know, to prevent them from catching infections. And people who have got weakened immune systems, sometimes even despite the jabs we give them, their bodies do not produce protective antibodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this is the, so that puts them in a bit in a vulnerable position. And even if they come back after acquiring infection from abroad, the way they manifest with infection will be slightly different to someone whose immune system is normal. For example, if you, if your normal immune system, you get exposed to an infection, your body tries to, to fight the infection and, and, and trying to do that, you generate a, an inflammatory response, high fever, you know, your markers will be very abnormal. Whereas if, if someone whose immune system is, is not so good, the response is not the same, mm-hmm. and they therefore the presentation will be slightly different. Someone who's got weak immune system, and if you do, you do your blood test to look for inflammatory markers, they may be normal. And even if, whereas someone who's got normal immune system will have fevers, shivering, someone who does not have immune, very good immune system will be unwell, but may not necessarily be the same, present the same way. 
So we have we always interested in infection specialists to know about whether you have any other medical problems, and this helps us. So sometimes patients do not want to, especially if they are not well known to us. Instead of telling us their medical history, they may keep it because they think it's personal to them. Mm-hmm. But then this one really puts them in um, at a disadvantage because it doesn't help us as healthcare workers to be able to to help them to know that perhaps we're dealing with something here in an unusual presentation because of the person's weakening system. I wanted to ask you as well, Dr. Robert, about how people can actually access the services at the hospital. Is it, is it a case of, you know, you come back from a trip or you experience and, an, you know, markers of infection? Do you need to go and see your family doctor to get a referral? Could you come directly to the department where you work? How does, how does that work? So these are all, there are various options. For example, you could, if, if that's easier to you, um, then healthy, you could go to your family doctor who could refer you. But also, you could just go to, you could call a number, which is 80050, and that, that's then you are specifically to be connected to SSMC, which is our hospital, Sheikh Shagud Medical Center. And then you would want to book yourself to our specialized clinic, and that would happen straight away. Also, you could do that through our website, the SSMC website, and just book an appointment, and then we'll still be able to see you as well. So these are all options available. I hope you take this in in the humour it's intended, but I hope I never need to call that number and see you, Dr. Robert. <laughs> um, la- last... I would welcome if you, even if you just want to chat. Just come have a welcome. chat. Um, and lastly, I want you to get your crystal ball out because, as you say, it's an incredibly exciting area of medicine, especially, of course, in the last last couple of years. What are your predictions when it comes to testing and treatment and medications of the future when it comes to infectious diseases? I think infectious diseases are always going to be interesting in that we'll be dealing with emerging infections every time. And our feelers need to be out there to know what is coming out. So this is this is what we this surveillance. I mean surveillance is one of the important aspects of infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know what we, we you know what's happening somewhere and kind of and then you'll be able to predict even before this kind of touches your borders. If, for example, you're a UAE, what you need to be prepared for that. So we need it. Therefore, not something that only in UAE, but we should be involved and be keen to know what's work in collaboration with 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 uh, all our colleagues all over the world, mm-hmm. and be prepared for what will happen outside there, and always be prepared to develop our diagnostics, you know, to deal with with what is coming out there. So, so I think. This collaboration, international collaboration, always being out with our surveillance out to know what's happening. But also, also, we have to be very adaptable to changing landscape. Yeah. So, you know, when we have something that depends on what it is, we have to adapt very clearly. Therefore, our diagnostics, our, our technology has to be has to be really on top of its game to be able to deal with that threat. Yeah. So, for example, we can have bioterrorism. We not be able to diagnose that in a conventional way, but if our diagnostics can adjust quickly, then we'll be able to deal with that in a timely fashion. 
Thank you, Doctor. Really appreciate your time at a, a very busy period in your life and that at the hospital. Wishing you a very healthy and happy 2022. And that's all for today's show. Don't forget you can check out the podcast online at Dubai I 103.8. Huge backlog of fantastic brains from the medical community. Just look for that Eye on Health podcast. And join us next week. We're going to be discussing women's health here on Eye on Health. This is Eye on Health, delving into your overall well-being. With MedLab Middle East. On Dubai Eye 103.8.